Thanks for tuning in to the podcast of The Porch Church. We hope today's message blesses you and encourages you in your spiritual journey. If you have questions, visit us on the web, www.theporchchurch.tv. Thidwick the Big-Hearted Moose. Up at Lake Winnebango, the far northern shore, lives a huge herd of moose, about 60 or more. And they all go around in a big happy bunch, looking for nice tender moose moss to munch. For the moose moss that day was especially fine, when it happened that Thidwick, the last moose in line, saw a bingle bug sitting. The bug called out, hey, it's such a long road and it's such a hot day. Would you mind if I rode on your horns for a way? Of course not, smiled Thidwick, the big-hearted moose. I'm happy my antlers can be of some use. So the bingle bug picked out a nice easy seat and the moose went on looking for moose moss to eat. An hour or so later, the bug heard a squeak and he heard the small voice of a tree spider speak. I say, said the spider, you've got a fine place. That moose seems quite friendly, has such a nice face. If I got on too, do you think he would mind? Hop aboard, laughed the bug, and I think that you'll find that the moose won't object. He's the big-hearted kind. And the very next thing the poor animal knew, a bobcat and turtle were living there too. What was the big-hearted moose going to do? A host has to put up with all kinds of pests, for a host above all must be nice to his guests. They asked in a fox who jumped in from the trees. They asked in some mice and they asked in some fleas. They asked a big bear in and then, if you please, came a swarm of 362 bees. Poor Thidwick sank down with a groan to his knees. And then, then came something that made his heart freeze. Bullets came zigging right past Thidwick's face. Guns were bang-binging all over the place. Thidwick took to his heels with that load on his head. With 500 pounds on his horns, the moose fled. He could have run faster without all those pests. But a host, above all, must be nice to his guests. Up canyon, off cliff, over wild rocky trail, with bullets bang bouncing all around him like hail. Then finally they had him. He gasped. He felt faint, and the whole world grew fuzzy. Thidwick was finished completely. Or was he? Finished? Not Thidwick. Decidedly not. It's true he was in a most terrible spot, but now he remembered a thing he'd forgot. A wonderful something that happens each year to the horns of all moose and the horns of all deer. Today was the day Thidwick happened to know that old horns come off so that new ones can grow. His old horns today are where you knew they would be. His guests are still on them, all stuffed as they should be. Well, welcome to week five of our series, Parenting Through Proverbs. We are gathering some parenting wisdom for the journey. We're looking everywhere from Dr. Seuss all the way through back to Solomon. We've been walking through these four seasons of parenting. You may remember them, right? Week one, we talked about discipline years or the years from one to five where our kids kind of are like Yertle the Turtle. There's a tiny king in their hearts and we need to replace that king with Jesus, with a true king. And we do that through uh, irrational love 
love and diligent discipline. Then we talked about the training years, right? Which pet should I get? And we talked about choices and keeping our words, the responsibility of picking and sticking. Last week, we looked at the book Mulberry Street, and we said that those are the coaching years, right? Which means that they're in the game, and quite frankly, we as parents aren't. And so we have to combat this season of self-indulgence where our teens are growing up with self-restraint, seeing clearly and acting appropriately, which brings us to today, the friendship years. If I could add one word to that chart, it might be also to call these years the advisory years. But before we jump in, I want to encourage you, we've got one more uh, sermon left in this series. We're going to talk about it next week, about leaving a legacy for our kids and for our families, because unless someone who cares a whole lot, nothing's going to change. It's not. That's coming up next week. But today we've got Fidwick, right? That big-hearted moose. And before we go much further, you can probably preach this sermon, right? 18 plus, right? What's the lesson when our kids turn 18? If you don't kick them out, they'll stay hung in your antlers and they'll get stuffed, right? That's the memo of the story. 18, kick them out, never look back. Uh, Otherwise, they're going to wind up stuffed on a wall somewhere. So we'll see you next week. That's all I've got for you today. Maybe we can learn a couple more things from Fidwick. We can spend a little bit more time, but we're talking about the adulting years, right? About being parents that hopefully by now we've created responsible adults, right? Kids of upstanding character who keep their word, who exercise self-restraint. But, but once they turn 18, right, this is another of those major changes. All of a sudden they go from being our children up to being adults. And the parenting, the relationship game has to change. And your kids, you may think, are a long way from there, but no matter what, you're in this season because you have parents. And so all throughout, this is not only the most important season, but it's really the longest season. It's the one that often also takes us by surprise. When it comes to parenting through these adulting years, there are really three extremes, kind of three directions that we can go. And, and the first one is what you just saw in the video, right? No conversation, no connection, right? Maybe they just turn 18 and, uh, and there's, no, there's nothing, nothing goes forward, right? Um, they, uh, they get kicked out of the house. Sorry, 18, they get kicked out. Or what happens in Fidwig, right? They turn 18 and nothing changes, right? They still live at home. They still hang on to the antlers, right? And you're still paying for everything while they take a different path, right? Uh, this is becoming a little bit more common in today's day and age. There's even a term for it, right? Failure to launch. Maybe you remember the Matthew McConaughey movie. Uh, but kids are growing up and out without learning a sense of responsibility of picking and sticking. So they just kind of hang out, kind of like in our story. The third option is that they may change and grow out, but maybe you as a parent don't. So your kids may change, they may grow on, they may move on to other things, but as a parent, we kind of keep trying to coach or keep trying to discipline or keep trying to change, and perhaps we attempt to control them, and maybe we become even the proverbial in-laws, right, that everybody dreads, which is really too good of an opportunity for a joke to miss. So uh, you know what the difference is between in-laws and outlaws, right? Outlaws are wanted, too soon, so a little bit. Okay, one more, one more. All right, so uh, you know what made Adam and Eve's first marriage successful? No in-laws telling them what to do all the time. You know what led to like the downfall of the entire human race, right? No in-laws telling them what to do and not to make the same mistake of eating the apple from the tree. But anyway, besides the point. So uh, the point is, right, we don't want any of those things to come true. 
We don't want 18 to come and for life to stay the same. We also don't want to just kick them out and never talk to them. We want to have responsible relationships with our adult children. We want them to be friends that we get to gather with around holiday times and get to enjoy life together. And so for, what that means is for this season, we have to move in our parenting and leading from being a parent, one who protects and teaches and coaches, to becoming one voice among many, becoming a friend, maybe even becoming a peer. And this is hard, right? It's incredibly difficult because we like changed their diapers, right? Like you've been there the whole time. They've been dependent on you every single day of their life and overnight it's like something changes. It doesn't help that every decision that they make is wrong, like straight up wrong, right? And you're just like, that's not the right thing to do. I'm not a parent anymore. Now I'm a friend. Now I'm an advisor. How do we navigate through those? Because if we don't, we'll end up in one of those three parenting extremes that we don't want to. Again, as I said, this is the longest stage. It's one of the hardest stages, and it's one of the easiest ones to mess up. So rather than just looking at Dr. Seuss, let's dive into our Bibles. Let's get some wisdom from Solomon here and uh, see the biblical perspective. So I'm going to invite you to turn to Proverbs 12:15. If you didn't bring a Bible, you'd like to borrow one of ours, you can just slip your hand up. Our usher would love to give you a Bible. We're going to be on page 301, 301. Uh, if you don't own a Bible, just keep this. It's our gift to you. Uh, otherwise, you're welcome just to leave it on your seat at the, t- at the end of the service here. So Proverbs 12, 15, of course, the verses will be up on the screen as well. Here's what it says. It says, the way of fools seems right to them. The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to Advice. The wise take it in. The wise listen and they tune in for a little bit. Now let's be real honest here for just a minute. 18-year-olds are fools. Right? Like that's just, that's just real. If you're 18 in this room, I'm sorry if that offends you. But it's just the reality. And here's how I know and here's how you know. Because a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away... We were 18, right? We were there. And you thought probably as I thought that you knew everything. Or at least you knew some things. Or maybe you just had an inclination of what the right thing to do was. But guess what? Looking back now, you know at 18, you were a fool, right? You didn't know what was going on. I know that when I was 18, I'd been working for six years or so. I'd been driving for four. I'd been dating for one. And I just assumed that I was ready to do life on my own. So I got married at 19 because I knew everything. And guess what? And now I know that about work and relationships, I was wrong about before. And I had to learn that the hard way. Right? I was 18 and I was foolish. Thankfully, I married Melissa, which saved our marriage and uh, made sure that everything is still intact today. But at 18, I was foolhardy. I thought I knew the right way. I didn't listen to advice. I just set out on my own. And sometimes we just have to learn those lessons. But the reality is that if you're 18, turning 18, just past 18, there's a good chance that you're going to look back in 10, 15, 20 years and go, you know, I may not have known everything at that stage in my life. And that's really okay because it's not that you're a bad person. It's just that we still have a lot to learn. We've still got a lot of adulting to catch up on. So don't be a fool, right? What's the verse say? The way to avoid being a fool is to listen to advice, is to take scope of the wise and to take in information. Don't just assume, but actually reach out. The message translates it a little bit better. Let's see if this helps us get a grasp on it today. Proverbs 12, 15 in the message says, fools are headstrong. Fools are headstrong, and they do what they like. Wise people, however, take 
advice, right? Fools are headstrong. They're pushing forward. They're not listening to anybody. I'm 18. I've got this figured out. I'm young. I'm in charge of my own destiny. Wise people, however, take advice, right? Now, nobody sets out to be foolish, right? That's nobody's destination. None of us are saying that that's what we want for our life or that's what we want for our kids. And the answer is simply that if you don't want to be a fool, you have to learn how to take advice, how to listen and learn from people who are wiser than us, who've gone along this journey. We have to apply ourselves to learning wisdom, which is how this enters into a parenting conversation, right? As an 18-year-old, our parents have done more life than we have. A wise person would listen to some of that experience, not set out on their own. And so this idea isn't just for kids, but it's also for parents and young adults. And as we go through the years, it's simple to get headstrong and foolish in our ways. And what we really need to do is to lean in and listen to advice. So here's one key point for us today. If, if this is all you take home, then I'm happy with that. But it's simply from these verses, one of the things we can learn, no matter our stage of life, is that wise people seek Advice. Wise people seek advice. By definition, it's what separates them from fools. If you don't want to be a fool, if you don't want to raise no fool, then you have to teach our kids and teach ourselves how to take advice. Again, though, the the hard reality of this season is that really this happens in earlier years. It happens in coaching conversations and training conversations and in disciplining conversations. And now you just get to find out what you've raised, where they're at. But here's the reality. You can't make a fool take advice. You simply can't do it. It's not in the cards. You can't do it. Your friends can't do it. Your boss can't do it. In fact, I don't even think Jesus himself can make a fool take advice. Let's flip over to the New Testament here. We've been in Proverbs a lot. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 7. It's on page 458 if you've got one of those worship center Bibles. But Jesus has the same conversation, it feels like, about wise and foolish people. Let's check it out. Matthew 7 verse 24. Jesus is teaching and he says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, the the teachings that I've been saying and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock, right? The rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house and yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Do you hear the transferable principle in there? The wise person seeks out and takes advice. They lean in, they do the hard work, the pre-work ahead of time because they accept the advice of people who know more than they do, who've built a house before. The fool is headstrong. He builds on his own. He doesn't listen to other people or wise people around them. He doesn't lay a strong foundation and he pays the price. So let's, let's extrapolate a little bit here, right? Let's draw some connections between wise and foolish builders and wise and foolish people, according to Solomon. And of course, Thidwick, our big hearted, loving, affable moose, right? Parents, you can't force your kids to take advice. 
Not in this season, really not ever. You can preach at them all you want to, but once we're here, once we're at the adulting years, they are making their own choices, right? You have to be able to tell them if they want your advice or not. You have to be able to read that, whether they want to hear from you or whether they don't want to hear from you, because here's the reality. Sometimes the only thing that gets through to a fool is a storm that comes and knocks down their house or leaves them stuffed on a wall. That's the only thing that's going to beat some sense into them. And if you parents don't build up some tolerance for their foolish choices, you're going to be frustrated. They're going to be frustrated because they don't want your advice and you don't want them making the decisions that they're making. And all of a sudden you're going to find that you're not even a friend in their circle. You're on the outside staring in of your children's lives, which really is the first principle that I think we see in the Thidwick story. It's friendships need fences to flourish. Friendships, right, to cultivate relationships, there needs to be fences, there needs to be boundaries, there needs to be areas that are off limits in order to flourish, in order to grow, in order to be sustainable, right? See, one temptation from the Thidwick story is to take away this idea that it's his good-heartedness, right, that it's the fact that he couldn't say no, it's the fact that he's just too nice that eventually led to this downfall, Right? That the ultimate issue, if he just would have said no, if he just would have kicked them out of the house, then none of this would have happened. I don't think that's Thidwick's biggest problem, though. I think that his fundamental problem was that he didn't have boundaries. It was a lack of boundaries. It was a follow-up conversation, right? See, the bindle bug had one conversation, and everything after that was assumed. There was no follow-up conversation. There was no clear communication. It was just, hey, can I have a ride? Sure. And then he invites all his friends to the party. Hey, can I spend the night? Sure. Hey, can I move back in for just a while? Absolutely. Will you give me some money for gas? Sure. And when we don't have established boundaries and guidelines, then one conversation turns into assumptions. And assumptions quickly descend into unmet expectations, which leads to resentment, false community, and ultimately fence crossing. It's violating of a mutual respect for the relationship. And we don't erect fences and put up boundaries for our conversations, especially as our kids enter into adulthood. So if you want to be friends with your kids, you have to have the hard conversation about boundaries, upfront and honestly. Ask them what's on the table and what's off the table. Nowhere is this more prevalent than when it gets to the, the in-laws situation, right? And we joked about this a little bit, but the tension is real. Maybe you're there with your own kids. Maybe you're there with your own parents. But we have to talk about the expectations and the boundaries ahead of time. Can we talk about finances for the wedding? Yes or no? Do we have any say in your dating relationships? Yes or no? Hey, while you're living under my house and my roof, here's the expectations that I have for your relationships, right? What's allowable and not allowable? What's on the table to discuss and what's off the table to discuss as they grow into adulthood? Or put most simply, if you want to be friends with your children, if you want to take up the advisory role as they grow older, then only give advice when you're asked. Only give advice when you're asked. The single greatest thing that you can do to ensure that you remain friends with your kids is that you only give them advice when they're actually ready to hear it. In other words, when they're ready to act wisely, then you can reciprocate because you don't want to be spewing information out to a fool who's headstrong and won't listen. 
Right, remember the first week we, we put up this diagram, we called it the circle of concern and the circle of control. And we talked about as a parenting and prayer philosophy that, hey, what's in your control is what we parent, but what's in our concern, that larger circle, that's really where we pray for our children, where we work a little bit harder and, and bring them before God. The reality is that in this season, when our kids are adults, your circle of control is not a Right? They're adults now. They're out making their own decision. Unless you have a conversation about what is in that control circle, unless you set some boundaries. Otherwise, it's all just concern, which means that if you're in this stage and you haven't perhaps put up these boundaries or had these difficult conversations, it means you've got a whole lot to be praying about. You've got a whole lot to usher before God to ask them that he would help them make wise decisions. God, would you encourage them to open their ears to take advice? Would you give me the perspective to be able to speak into their life when they're ready for it? Because by the time we're at this stage, control shrinks to almost nothing. And all you have is concern for your children. Which doesn't mean it's the end of the world. It just means your parenting style has to change. Because if you try to put things into that control circle, you're going to wind up being frustrated and they're going to wind up being frustrated as well. Because healthy relationships, whether we're talking about children or friendships or anything else, need boundaries. Boundaries are good and they're honoring and they're a way to show mutual respect. And in order for relationships to thrive, we need to have some of these conversations. So have you talked with your spouse about boundaries within your marriage, maybe for your parents? Have you talked about raising kids and how we have boundaries within our parent situations there? Maybe you've got kids that are pushing up onto adulthood in those teenage years. Parents, have you talked with your spouse and talked with them about what's on the table and what's off the table, about college, finances, cars, cell phones, living arrangements, vacations, whatever it is. If you don't have the boundaries conversation, you might only have one conversation and everything else from there will be assumed. And that will lead to things being done that nobody agrees upon and nobody has buy into and a whole list of unmet expectations every step of the way. So there's lesson one from Thidwig. Friendship or friendships need fences to flourish. Number two, the bindle bug was looking for an easy seat. And I think that we can all take away from this that there is no easy seat to easy street. Right? It just doesn't exist. And fools are always looking for the easy way out. They just want the short ride. They just want an easy way to get there. Right? The bindlebug said that the walk was long and he was so tired. He just wanted an easy way to accomplish his goal. Right? Kind of like the foolish builder in Jesus' story. Right? Who didn't want to do the, the hard work of laying the foundation or putting up solid footing or digging down into the rock. He just wanted to get the job done. So he took shortcuts. He built on the sand instead of digging into the rock. Fools are all about easy, quick fixes. They're all about the fast way to get the results that they wanted. But wise know that there is no easy seat to easy street. They know that it takes hard work and discipline to get the things done that they want. See, when, when life gets tough, wise people ask for advice. And when they get advice, they get advice from people who've gone before them not from people with no idea what they're talking about, right? It's like if we jumped into that story of the foolish builder and we said, hey, you know, I'm going to build a house and you're going to do the hard work of preparing the soil and of digging down deep. You're going to put your house on the rock, which means you've got to take extra time, months of preparation and getting things correct and doing all of the hard work and hard steps. But then your neighbor pulls up, right? And in one day, he's like pouring the foundation, right? Day one, he's just going at it. 
And eventually you see that by the end of the month, right, his house is completely built up. He's moving ready after a month. Meanwhile, you're still tilling the soil, still putting in the hard work because you know it's the right thing to do. The temptation is to take a foolish person's advice because they have the result that you wanted, but it's not time tested. So the wise not only seek advice, but they seek advice from people who know better, who've gone there before. A fool just asks a fool who's one step ahead of them, right? Going back to Thidwick the moose, if he had some other moose around him, perhaps who had done similar things before, maybe he could have gotten some advice. Maybe he could have gotten some wisdom on how to this thing, do this thing differently, because you don't want to wind up with a rack full of animals just hanging on to this. You don't want to wind up with a house that just mimics a foolish person's house. And then when the storm comes, you're both knocked over. So what can help us navigate this conversation? How do we teach our kids? How do we walk through with our adult kids that there is no easy seat to easy street? I think it's as simple as helping them see the other side of the coin. So I've got a, a true-to-life size half dollar here. Now, this is how big they are if you've never seen one. Um, but the, it's like having the other side of the coin. See, when we, when we parent our kids, especially in adult, adulting relationships, too often they don't want our advice, right? They don't want us to just tell them what to do. It's our responsibility just to help them see the other side of the coin, right? That there is no responsibility without hard work, right? That there's no house with an enduring foundation without putting in the pre-work, right? That there's no reward without paying the price, that there's no picnic without a little bit of ants, that there's no credit card without credit card payments, that we want romance but without loving service to our partners. We want babies but I could do without the diapers. We want all that God has to offer us but we don't want to die to ourselves. See, we want freedom, but we don't want responsibility. But the reality is that all of those things are just two sides to the same coin. You can't have one without the other. There's no easy seat to easy street. You don't just get blessings without hard work. You don't just get freedom without the responsibility that comes with it. You don't just get to be in a marriage without the hard work that comes from cultivating and tilling the soil. So how do we parent through this season? I think it's as simple as helping them see the other side of the coin. Because if you're at the point in your relationship where they're actually going to come to you for advice, where they want to include you in the decision, then don't give them the answer. Don't give them the easy street. Help them to see through the situation. Hey, mom, I'm thinking about changing my major to art history. What do you think? Art history. That's, that's beautiful. What, um, uh, what kind of job are you going to have with that? Do you like that job? Is that going to be able to pay for your loans in your 12th year of college? I'm just asking questions here, right? I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just helping you see the other side of the coin. Hey, Dad, I'm going to get a new car. I'm thinking the Ferrari or the Porsche. What do you think? Wow. Um, have you looked at insurance? Maybe gas money? What are you going to do in the winter? All these kinds of things. Hey, I'm thinking about getting married. What do you think? Have you counted the cost? Have you been dating long enough to see them through some ups and some downs? Are you prepared to do the hard decisions even when life isn't easy, right? Don't answer the questions. Don't tell them what to do. Nothing will push them in the opposite direction more. But help them see the other side of the coin. Again, not just to burst their bubble, but to help them make wise decisions and to avoid the easy sheet to easy street mentality, lest they end up stuffed and mounted on a wall somewhere. I've kind of been ragging on the animals on the wall. How many of you guys feel sorry for the animals that, that get mounted on the wall at the end of the story? Anybody feel sorry for them? 
I don't, not even a little bit. Right? Because here's the reality, right? We kind of live in a situation where, where all oh, those poor things, right? Thidwig should have at least gone down with the ship, right? He should have protected them. It's not their fault. They're just victims in this whole story. And I agree to an extent. I think they're victims. I just don't think they're a victim of the world. I think they're a victim of their own foolish choices. I think that they didn't take wise advice. I think that they tried to ride out the easy seat all the way to easy street and it ended up biting them in the butt. But they aren't a victim of the world. They aren't, a, uh, they aren't a victim of some cosmic situation that's out to get them. No, they just made some foolish, dumb choices. They missed the other side of the coin, as it were. And there's a growing victim mentality that's rising up. And I don't feel like these characters, these stories, I don't feel like our children are even the victims of our parenting as much as they are the victims of their own foolish choices. Just because you got a degree in a job field doesn't mean that you're guaranteed a job. Just because you're an adult now doesn't mean that life is going to be easy. Sometimes our kids are just the victim of their own foolish choices. I love this quote from Jim Rohn. It says, there are two types of pain in this world. The short-term pain of discipline and the long-term pain of regret. Discipline weighs ounces while regret weighs tons. See, wise people seek advice. They, they put it into practice. And whether we're speaking of Jesus's words in the gospel, Solomon's teaching on seeking advice, or even Thidwick, the big-hearted moose, discipline is easy to implement. These principles that we've been talking about all throughout this story take minor course corrections here and now. But if we don't do the hard work of discipline, especially when we're parenting in our younger years, then when we get to the adulting years, we're going to have a lot of regret. So parents, teach your kids wisdom and responsibility and discipline. I know it's hard now, but as you watch them turn into adults that make wise choices, I promise you that the weight of discipline is far less than the weight of regret. Speaking of which, some of you may be having a hard time in this series. Maybe you were regretting times when your kids weren't quite this age and you're feeling like you made too many mistakes and it's just too late. I just want to encourage you and speak into that, that it's never too late for grace. It's never too late for you to begin implementing these things. The, the church that we partnered with for this message series had, a, had an additional online teaching that we didn't have time to work into our series here, but I'd like to give it to you as a resource. So there's a box in your bulletin that, that says, I'd like to receive the parenting prodigals. If you have kids, especially that are in this adulting season or maybe in their teenage years, and, and they're just gone off in a completely different direction, not the way that you wanted to raise them, not the results that you want to have for their life, and you're really feeling a lot of guilt as we've been talking through these conversations, I want to encourage you to check that box. I'll send you an email link so you can watch the video teaching, and uh, you'll be able to hopefully get some perspective and some grace to walk through kind of the harder parts of parenting. Because here's the reality. This is why we're talking about this. This isn't easy, right? Kids don't come with a manual. They just send you home from the hospital and say, figure it out. Which means we've got a steep learning curve to figure out how we turned out the way that we did, what we like about that, what we don't like about that, how we raise our kids into a similar situation. And so I'd encourage you, come back again next week as we wrap up with a teaching on legacy. But as we wind up today, I just want to give you a couple contexts to think through today's lesson specifically, but perhaps even broader than that as we look to, uh, as we look to this whole series. I'm going to invite the band to come up, and I just want to give you a space to process through a couple of these lessons in a couple different facets. Number one is personally, right? No matter what age you are, if you're over 18, this message applies to you. 
right? How do you walk through this situation of being wise and foolish? How do you walk through this situation of rushing headlong into things or do you seek advice? How might God want to speak into this area? Maybe within your own personal parenting relationship. Maybe you have a situation with your parents, your in-laws, whoever it is, and, and you just need to take some of this advice along and to be able to process through it. How do I deal with my adult parents? How do I deal with who I am right now? And if you're a parent, it's not too early to start planning out this conversation. How do I want to raise my kids to be wise, responsible adults? What kind of relationship do I want to have with them as they grow up? Because the choices, the disciplines, the things that we do today will impact our relationship with them for our future. And while they're in our house for a relatively short period of time, right, 18 years is what we get them for, to be their parent, their coach, their trainer, their discipline. You get to be their friend literally for the rest of your life. So don't trade some of the small, hard lessons for missing out on the longer-term ramifications. But as it comes to this message, I just encourage you, whether you have time during this last song or as I pray here in a little bit, to think through them. But I hope that this hits in each one of those areas. I think that we all have ways that we can apply into them. Before we sing one more song, I just want to encourage you to bow your heads. Leave some space for the Holy Spirit to speak in to your heart. And you can tune me out at this point. I just go to God, go to Jesus and say, where am I wise? Where am I a fool? Where do I need to learn to seek advice? Where have I been following the wrong advice? God, where am I the foolish builder instead of taking the long road? Where am I opting for the easy street in my life, in my job, in my relationships? God, I want to repent of that. Help me to do something different. Or maybe for you, it's with your parents, with your in-laws, with people who are close to you, and you're just going, man, I just need a little bit more perspective. I need to look at this from the long haul. I need to see what's going on in them and how we can mend this relationship. Maybe for you, it's with your kids. You've got kids nearing this age, or you want to prepare your kids there. But whatever it is, Holy Spirit, would you speak to us now individually? Would you give us action plans, marching orders, God, areas for us to hear within ourselves, God, the individual word that you would speak to us. God, would you help us to implement discipline now so that we don't have regret later? Would you help us to put up boundaries and fences in our relationships, not only with our kids, but with significant relationships in our life to keep things sacred that should be sacred and to make sure that when we speak, we're all having the same conversation. God, more than anything, we're all children of yours. We all have so many things to learn from you. And sometimes as we grow and as we get older, we forget to place ourselves in the child's seat. We forget what it's like to be a child or what it's like to take advice or what it's like to learn even from you. And so, Jesus, as we come to you to ask for advice on being a parent, on leading these young lives that you've given us, God, would you also equip us to hear first and foremost from you, that we would get fresh word and insight and perspective from you, God, and that as you would teach and lead us, that we would be equipped to teach and lead and coach and eventually become friends with the children that you've entrusted to us. Heavenly Father, we love you and we praise you and we ask you that you would speak to us in the name of Jesus Christ and in the power of your Holy Spirit. All God's kids agreed together and said,